Hello and welcome to the Sounds Right podcast. I'm the host, Laura, and today I'm talking to Caroline Hardesty. Caroline is a trainer at Sounds Right. In this episode, she shares advice for schools and teachers who have just trained in Sounds Right and discusses some things that phonics leads or head teachers might need to consider when implementing Sounds Right across a school. Just a little announcement from me before the episode begins. Sounds Right is turning 20 this year. To celebrate our birthday, we've got some really exciting things lined up starting in February. Make sure you follow us on social media and subscribe to our mailing list if you want to hear all about our exciting projects that are coming up this year. If you want to like and subscribe, the link is in the show notes of this episode. Now, on to my conversation with Caroline. Hi, Caroline. It's lovely to be here with you today. Thank you, Lara. It's lovely to be here too. So could you start off by telling us um, more about your role at Sounds Right and how you kind of first got involved in teaching phonics and specifically Sounds Right? Okay, so I joined Sounds Right a year ago now, January 2022, um, and I am an in-house trainer. So I train on the online course and I also train face-to-face. And part of my role, in addition to that, is providing support to new Sounds Right schools. So I help them with the implementation of the programme um, when they first brought Sounds Right into their school. So prior to that, I was a primary school teacher for 18 years. Um, I was English leader for seven years. A lot of that time I spent teaching in Key Stage 1, so I've taught more than one phonics programme in my time. Um, we had Sounds Right recommended to us from one of our advisors in our local authority and it was a huge light bulb moment that training uh, for me and my biggest regret I think I didn't find it years and years ago and I really wish I'd been teaching it for a long long time Um, I think the thing I loved the most about the approach was that it's really grounded in the science of reading I love the references to cognitive load theory that just made so much sense I loved how it starts from what the children already know and that it builds on that in that really structured, cumulative, really straightforward way and that you go back and revisit everything so that it really becomes embedded in long-term memory. Luckily, um, the other teachers I trained with, there were four of us who went on the training and they came away equally as enthused and really, really excited to go back and get started. And we did that. We went straight back into school and got started with it straight away. Amazing. And given that you oversaw the implementation of Sounds Right at the school you taught at and now help schools implement Sounds Right when they're first starting out, you are the perfect person to be doing this episode on um, implementing Sounds Right for the first time at your school. So could you talk us through the kind of process, what that looked like for you when you were the English lead? Yeah, so we trained reception and year one teachers so I was the year one teacher as well at that time we trained in the spring term we also trained our Senko and our support-based teacher at that time as well we wanted to get started straight away so even though it was in the spring term we went back into class and we started just by trying out some of the lessons getting to grips with it practicing the scripts Um, and then the pandemic hit and kind of sidetracked everything for a little while so it was really September then 2020 when we really got going but as that was the beginning of a school year reception started from the beginning of the initial code and in year one we did a little bit of assessment and started at unit eight of the initial code to get those um, children's skills really sharp um, so that they were working really 
confidently with those adjacent consonants. And this was really important. Um, they never would have coped in the extended code if we hadn't done that. We decided as a school that we wanted to really accelerate the implementation. Obviously, we were, we were excited about the impact it was going to have. And um, so over the course of the next year, we trained all of our teaching staff. We trained our EYFS um, and Key Stage 1 TAs. We had to think really hard about starting points um, for children, particularly in year two and year three that had never had any sound right teaching before. So we did um, some initial assessments and decided where we were going to start them. I worked on a plan then for how Soundrack would be used to teach vocabulary in year four to year six. And initially that was very kind of, they just had to go, they tried it out to see how it would work. Um, but I was really lucky in that I worked with teachers who could see the potential of it, who always gave everything 100%. So they really kind of threw themselves into to really getting this successful from the get-go throughout the school. We then looked at the Soundrack webinars so the CPD we got from them was really useful in terms of starting with interventions, using those diagnostics as a starting point. We got them going with teachers leading them initially. And then uh, once we trained our TAs, they, they took that over. And I think the biggest thing for us in terms of that kind of rollout for school was getting to grips with planning, was making sure we had that kind of soundtrack three-part lesson really embedded. And I think that's the thing we worked on the most over the course of that year. Um, and I'll probably labour this point a little bit today, but I would absolutely recommend attending those webinars about planning because they were such a huge help for us. I think you come out of your initial Soundrite training with so much information that it's really useful to then be able to go back and, and revisit that. Um, and the planning was such a big thing that we wanted to get right that you know the webinars were absolutely invaluable. Yeah. Uh, so if if anyone is unaware of these webinars, this is a series that we run for Soundrite practitioners. Um, uh, throughout the year, we do webinars on various different topics to provide extra CPD yeah. and support. Um, yeah, great. Thank you for that. So when a school does decide to train their staff in sound, right, what are some of the considerations that they should bear in mind? So kind of what advice would you give to new schools starting out and how it is it going to impact the implementation process? So I think the main thing you need to think about first is how gradual you want the rollout of Soundrite to be. Um, do you want to do what we did and train everybody as quickly as possible? Or do you want to roll it out gradually over a period of time? Um, and schools do it in a variety of different ways. I think if you decide on a really quick rollout on getting everybody trained as quickly as possible, it's really important that you consider those starting points really carefully. Um, there's lots of advice out there on the Soundrite website about where to start with those year one, year two and year three classes who haven't had Soundrite before. Um, and you can also go to your trainer for advice on this as well. I think I pestered my poor trainer an awful lot in the first uh, year or so to get advice about these you know, starting points as well as all sorts of other things. Yeah, because am I right in thinking, so some schools go for it kind of across the board, train everyone yeah. in the same year, and then other schools decide that actually they're going to uh, build it up. So uh, reception teacher will get trained and then the year, next year, the year one teacher and they'll yeah. build it up. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and there, I mean, there are other variations of that as well. You know, some schools will train reception in year one together and then, but yeah, so I think it's, it's deciding where, how it's going to work best for your school. Some schools just want everybody to, 
to take it on mm. straight away and just and get it in there and other schools prefer that kind of gradual approach so I think if you're taking it on as a kind of whole school straight away over a year kind of um, approach you really need to remember not to rush it really make sure that you're getting those skills really pin sharp otherwise you're just going to create lots of problems later on it's really tempting just to think we've got all of this information we've got to get in part to them let's just get on and rush through it you've got to remember not to do that if you take on that approach of rolling it all out at once I think if the other approach then would as you said would be to train your reception teachers and I think I would advise that you train your TAs as well um, in reception ready to start at the beginning of the school year so September in the UK um, or January if you're in Australia we've always got online courses running prior to the start of the school year and actually they're normally would give you enough time to have a bit of a practice as well with the class that you've currently got um, before you you go into the new school year. Um, And as I said, you could train year one teachers probably at this point as well. It's relatively easy to find those starting points for your year one class. Uh, So it would be okay to do that at that point as well. Or you might then decide to wait and train them later in the year, ready for those reception children to move up. And then you'd kind of just gradually roll that out from there. Uh, year on year as the children are ready to go up into the next year group until everyone's trained I think training your teachers and your TAs at the same time just means that you can have those interventions running from the start as well yeah and that's something that um, actually I hear sounds right trainers talk about time and again which is that it's so important to train TAs because they are often the the people who are doing the intervention sessions and actually those children who are doing intervention are some of the most important children to teach right and get right from the start so yeah absolutely yeah yeah. and I guess um what you said about rolling it out across the whole school I guess I can imagine situations in which for example if in a in a school in which the phonics lead Um, is also a a class teacher and doesn't have a lot of time to do extra training or monitoring Uh, it would be extremely challenging to roll it out across the whole school so I can see why you would want to start with maybe just reception and TAs first yeah 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 it it was definitely challenging to, to roll it out across the school and be able to as you say have the time to monitor it effectively to make sure that that we had that consistency and you know that everybody was following the scripts and that it was being effective in each year group and yeah I think that kind of gradual approach you wouldn't have that pressure quite so much yeah and um for anyone interested in learning more about uh teaching sounds right with fidelity across the school we did a podcast uh, episode with Naomi a couple of months ago on that so yeah. I'll link it in the show notes as well <laughs> can't miss the opportunity to uh promote our podcast more on our own <laughs> podcast <laughs> um so let's circle back to kind of the beginning so yeah. if you're a teacher who has just trained in Sounds Right for the first time and you kind of go back to your class um, beginning to teach the program, what are some of the challenges that are most common and what advice can you give for those people who are just getting started, those individual teachers rather than the entire school? Yeah, yeah. And I said, again, planning, I think, is the one thing that, that teachers find the most challenging 
Um, I've spoken to a lot of teachers this year who've just started Sands Right, and that's the one thing that they tend to need advice on. Um, it's the area that they feel that they need the most support in. So it's it's about no, making sure that you know about the three parts of the Sands Right session. So you've got your review, your work on your current unit, and your reading and writing and connected text. And then just use a variety of your Sands Right lessons to teach those different elements. You know, we always advise that you introduce new code with lesson one or five or six depending on where you are in, in the program and but after that they can be really flexible you know you don't have to stick to a rigid structure every single week there's lots of flexibility in there in how you know in how you use them we've got examples out there there are examples on the website you are given examples when you train as well and um, you know that you can use as a starting point and I think the other thing to remember when you're planning as well is just making sure you're mindful of cognitive load, making sure that, for example, you're doing your reading in text and your dictation from units prior to the one that they're currently working in. And I think once you've got that kind of embedded um, and you've got that structure, planning is so easy. You know, I've, I've said that it, is, it was always the easiest thing for me to plan once I had that idea of what, uh, you know, the week should look like. And you can really then focus on things like your word choice, any possible misconceptions that you think they might come across on your opportunities for formative assessment, you can really then focus on tailoring that plan to the needs of your class. Um, and, and that is so important. And it really does take that kind of the other thinking process about what you're going to teach away. It just lets you really focus on, on what your class really needs. So I think leading on from that, the other piece of advice I would give is don't try and produce set plans. So don't try and produce plans for the year that are going to stay the same all the way through the year and then into the next year one and the next one after that, because it really should be flexible. You know, it's why Sandrite doesn't give you a set of plans. We just give you these kind of examples to work from, because you should really be working that according to the needs of your class on a daily, weekly, you know, yearly basis. Yeah, absolutely. That one's something that comes up over and over again, actually, is uh, yeah. the practitioners ask us for a set, you know, plan yeah. for the year. And yeah. of course, as you say, there is a reason why we don't provide that. Yeah. Um, though I think planning would be a great uh, topic for another episode of the podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, you're right. And I think it, it is the thing that that isn't asked I'm asked so many you know so often about about planning um and I think what but once you have that structure there you know use the examples that are out there and just keep following that kind of same structure and just adapt it and think all the time just about the needs of your class and it it, it really does become a lot more straightforward once you've done it for a, you know a little bit of time I think it's daunting at first but you know it's it's so easy to plan once you have that structure in your head yeah and watch the webinars you know as I keep saying go look at the you know we have specific webinars on planning and they are they're absolutely invaluable and not only are you getting lots of advice from the webinar you get the opportunities then to ask questions so if you've got specific things that you're struggling with or that you want to ask about you know you can ask for advice there as well um so yeah that's so that's planning and I think then the other thing if you're just new to it is knowing your scripts making sure you know your scripts making sure you know your error corrections you know spend some time practicing them um my poor daughter got sans right to death when I first trained because I used to come home and practice on her um and she actually knows the script so well now that she can probably teach a sans right session herself um but it's important you know that 
that you spend some time practicing them, that you know them really well, that you keep them in front of you when you're teaching at first so that you are not missing bits out or adding bits in that aren't there. Um, you know, that fidelity to, to the script, that really precise teaching through errors is so important if you're going to be able to implement Soundtrack successfully, you know, and get the results that you that you will be able to get um, if you teach it consistently. Yeah, and obviously during the uh, course, uh, practitioner or trainee practitioners are encouraged to constantly practice the yeah. sounds right lessons, both in the course itself and also, you know, if, if you're doing, uh, if you're doing, for example, the online course over six weeks, it's actually encouraged to go back to your classroom and mm-hmm. and start on those first lessons, yeah. um, get some practice in, know what Definitely. questions you want to ask during the course as well. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. it's okay to to have that script in front of you and to mm. read read from the script, especially at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I always still have my new buy, you know, even now. Um, it's it's just important just to make sure that you that you are following it, you know, completely with fidelity. And I think talking about practicing it as well, you know, even if you have an older class, if you teach, you know, year four or year five, still go back and practice those initial code lessons with them because actually. I think they probably quite enjoy it and you know it is so important just to to get that practice immediately as you say from from coming off the training yeah so in terms of the whole school's approach what kind of advice would you give to phonics leads um and head teachers for instance to ensure the successful adoption of sounds right across the whole school yeah. So I think, I mean, we've talked already about a little bit about time and having time as a phonics lead to be able to, to perform that kind of monitoring um, and especially when you're first implementing it. So I think that is, is really important, you know, that you that your phonics lead has some time out of class, that they can go and do some monitoring, you know, that they can, can look at the implementation, that they can do those jobs that they need to do in order to make sure that it is being implemented successfully. Um, and then I think from there, it's it's consistency that's really important. So you need to make sure that everyone knows the importance of sticking to the script and knowing their error corrections and that your phonics lead has time to, to spend some time monitoring this. So to spend some time dropping in and, you know, seeing people teach um, and also being able to revisit that. I think quite often what happens is they'll go in in the first kind of term and everybody will be great sticking to their script. They'll have their scripts in front of them. It's all new. And then... But then six months down the line, you know, little idiosyncrasies have started to drop in. People are adding their own bits to the scripts. So you've got to kind of go and revisit that every now and then just to make sure that that consistency is being maintained. Um, But also you can then get your teachers working together to do that as well. You know, do a bit of informal, supportive kind of peer reviewing um, or get some staff meeting time in and, you know, practice the scripts that way. Just to really make sure that you're keeping everything consistent. Um, that everybody's sticking to those scripts with fidelity and then obviously from there we've got planning again you know you'll need to probably provide some support with the planning so as the phonics lead you need to have a really good grasp of what planning should look like um, and so that you can go in and support or if people are coming to you for advice you know you've got the knowledge there to be able to to give them that advice uh, we also have um <clears throat> The Phonics Leads Masterclass, which I would really recommend you sign up for if, you know, time and budgets allow, because that will really help to give you an in-depth understanding of 
all the different areas you can be monitoring. So things like, um, you know, assessment and how you monitor the, the formative assessments that's going on, having time to talk to teachers about the, their classes and how they're doing and how their progress is and areas that they might be concerned about. Um, and then interventions as well. You know, that masterclass will give you some advice on how you go about looking at interventions and monitoring interventions and making sure the right children are being you know, put forward for interventions and that kind of thing as well. So that's a really useful thing to do if, if you can. And then staff meeting time. Make sure that you're you're putting in some regular time to all get together as a staff. You know, even if it's just 10, 15 minutes at the beginning of a staff meeting, just to chat about how things are going, um, you know, to talk about things that are being successful, to share ideas, to, you know, for people to voice their concerns or ask questions. And I think especially in that first year when you're just starting to implement it, that's so important to have that time together, you know, consistently just to be able to sort of touch base and talk about how things are going. Yeah, and on that note as well, um, we do actually provide free places for head teachers on our courses. Yeah. And that's obviously really important as well. It's yeah. head teachers having a deep understanding of sounds right and um taking part in that those discussions, that monitoring yeah, process. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Of Great. Thank you so much, Caroline, for um being here and for talking to us today about all of this. It's been great. It's great. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. All right. See you next time. <laughs>